Hey, everybody. You know, it feels like eons, and it's only been a week, but it's another Digital Bytes podcast for Team Blockchain on the Digital Bytes newsletter that we cover a week prior. So just to make sure I'm sane, Johnny, today we're covering April 19th. April 19th, Digital Bytes. We're looking at blockchain governance. Gold. You can hold bullion or digital gold. Why tokenization is important and relevant. And we've said the EU, but for that, you could read probably any jurisdiction. But we found a very interesting report whereby the likes of Renault, car manufacturer, Daimler-Benz, and then a whole host of banks. They did a survey to their clients. And then coming up after the break, keeping the European thing going, we've got Luke Falapen from Tokeny. And they're going to be talking to us a little bit about the engine behind tokenized securities. And they've developed a standard on Ethereum, which has now been used for about 26 billion worth of assets. So that seems to be a standard which more and more people are, are adopting. But um, yeah, so that, that's what we got on Digibytes. For those new listeners, this is a weekly online radio show that we run, James Tiley at Cyber.fm. And uh, that goes out to about 4.6 million people in 170 countries. My name is Johnny Fry. Got a company called Team Blockchain. And we look at how, where, who, how blockchain technology and digital assets are being used. And if you'd like to get a copy of our regular newsletter, it goes out every Wednesday, 8 o'clock London time. Just go to digitalbytes.substack.com and you can sign up. It's free, no advertising, no investment recommendations. Just trying to look at things in the blockchain and digital asset space, just almost like an oblique angle, looking at it slightly differently. If this has happened, what does that mean? Who does it impact? Why should I care? They're the sort of ways that we try and look at it. And then James and I discuss it once a week, don't we, James? We do, and, and we don't actually give any advice. If anything, we just give feedback. Yeah, and try and pose a few questions. But, um, but yeah, so I suppose what, what I'd like to do, I'd like to look at gold. Um, and the reason I'd like to look at gold is that... I'd like to look um, at gold, I know, too. <laughs> well, but coming, I know coming up, actually, in a couple of weeks' time, we've got a, a very interesting guest, Jason Myers. You're going to really like him, James, because he's a fellow New Yorker. I wonder if he's had that ZD stuff that your mum used to cook. We'll have to ask him that. Every but New Yorker has had ZD. It's a rule. I know. We're going to have to meet up in New York and have some ZD. I know that. I know we met up in Washington last year, but maybe New York is the next one on the agenda. But the reason I talk about that is that there is an increasing questioning going on what's happening in the banking system. You know, we've seen Credit Suisse being merged into UBS. We've seen three banks in the US go down. We've had, you know, big meeting in, I think it was in IMF, and Andrew Bailey, the governor of the Bank of England here, saying, I think we need to increase the amount of insurance that depositors have. And people are getting more and more worried about what's going on in the banking system. And during times of worry, concern, people historically have sort of turned to, to gold, physical gold as a store of value on the basis that there's a limited amount of gold. So you can't manipulate the price and just print more of it like you can with pounds and dollars and yen and Swiss franc and the like. And some people have likened Bitcoin to gold because they said there's only going to be 21 million Bitcoins and they will be mined out completely. Either all of them will come into existence by 2140, I think the date is. And what's happening is people are saying, well, actually, Bitcoin, you know, because it's limited, because of something called halving, where every roughly four years, the amount of Bitcoin that you get for every block that's mined reduces in half. So therefore, in theory, 
it's going to get harder and harder to earn Bitcoin. And this is something whereby people have turned to and said, well, yeah, we think it's an interesting way to, to hold your assets. But, but notwithstanding that, we're getting real mixed messages. Just recently, and for American listeners, they'll be very familiar with this. You've had Gary Gensler from the SEC being given a bit of a grilling because they kind of gave the thumbs up. They approved companies like Binance and Coinbase. And yet those very same companies are now being all sorts of accusations by the regulators. And this puts a big question mark over what's going to happen, certainly in the short to medium term, with businesses involved in cryptocurrencies in the USA. So people are saying, well, okay, what else can we rely on? What else can we trust? And it comes back to gold. And we've seen gold-backed investments actually doing pretty pretty well. And they've now actually, the two the, there's three reasonably big ones. Uh, you've got Pax Gold, which is about 500-odd million, issued by the New York firm Paxo. You've got Tether, which is nearly 500 million, issued by Tether, who brings you the US dollar stablecoin. And then you've got a, a lot smaller one, Perth Mint Gold. And that's only two, just over 2 million. So it's quite a small one. But there's been a lot of money being pumped into these gold-backed tokens as a way of holding your gold rather than trying to go and buy a Krugerrand or a bar of gold or, or, or whatever you like to like that. So interesting to see gold investments becoming more popular. Prices gold hasn't done too bad recently. So don't know, James, what do you reckon? Have you got a bit of gold tucked away in your... Probably in your fillings, knowing you, in your teeth. Tell you one thing. We learned recently that Craig Wright is a listener to the show. Hello, Craig. I, How you doing, mate? How you doing, Craig? Now we're going to find out Schiff is probably a listener to the show. He's going to be the next <laughs> one to, to reach out to us now. Everybody oh, wants their gold. Everyone wants their gold. Peter Schiff, he's a huge gold bug. He's buying gold, gold mines, all sorts of stuff. But his podcasts, they're ever so long, aren't they? Hour, hour and a half. And it's all very much sensationalism from Mr. Schiff. Yeah, he, he should have his son on more often. His son's a big buyer of Bitcoin. He likes Bitcoin. Yeah, that would be a much great show. Much chagrin. Yeah, but yeah, to your, point, really like. to your point, I'm, what do they call, Generation X? And, you know, I'm on Facebook and I'm doing my thing and I'm looking at baby photos. And I notice a lot of my classmates... From the graduating class of 1993, they're all about make sure you have your gold, and they like the silver, the silver and the gold. They that's that's the rumor right now. That's what you want. So I do see it. It's happening still, and I am that guy that that equates Bitcoin to gold. I always have for for a long time now. Interesting. We we found a chart from Keiko, a research company, and they were looking at the correlation of Bitcoin with gold compared to U.S. equities. And you know, for a while, certainly, they were pretty well correlated. But we've seen, certainly in the last, what, couple of months, you know, Bitcoin's rallied really well, while the S&P 500 has, has actually had a bit of a torrid time and gone down. So I wonder whether that lack of correlation will continue. If it does, then potentially Bitcoin represents quite interesting diversification of your assets, because we have seen... On the longer term basis, obviously, Bitcoin has performed amazingly well compared to, you know, it's gone from zero to even today, it's uh, nearly $28,000 a Bitcoin. So it's, it's as an asset class, it's done really, really well. But that's not really the relevant thing. What's relevant is what's its likely performance going to be going forward? And are we going to sit correlate with equities or is it going to be uncorrelated and therefore prove to be quite a good hedge against a lot of uncertainty, which seems to be very much, you know, 
here we had this week, James, they were talking about inflation in the UK. They said, yeah, it's definitely coming down. I think even the Bank of England is saying, oh, it's only going to be 2 or 3% at the end of the year. Well, surprise, surprise, it's still over 10%. And I wouldn't mind guessing that the inflation in the US is a lot higher than they're reporting at the moment. And I'd ask the listeners just to look for themselves. Have they noticed prices are not going up as fast? I, I'm not so sure. I just paid my, yesterday, you can't make this up. I paid my sewer, water, trash bill, you know, for the city. It yeah, went yeah. up $40. I normally pay $80 a month, and I got a bill for 118 And I said to myself, my garbage hasn't increased. I'm not that bad. I'm not burning more, not using more water. How do you justify a 33%, am I right? 80 to 120? It's a 33% yeah, yeah. increase in a utility. 50%. 50%. Wow. It's just a number I yeah. couldn't fathom for water and sewer. Is this because we have but James, to... But James, yeah. you're, you're paying for water. You're not paying for water. There's no D in it. It's water. water. Yeah. But I think what we're paying for is the gasoline in the trucks and the equipment to pick up the garbage. It's... But James, did they cut, they cut the price when oil was on its knees a couple of years ago? Of course they didn't. Right. They never cut the prices. All they do is don't put them up as fast, but they never cut the prices. You know what? Going forward sprinkle the trickle down economics don't hit me with a 50 percent. and by the way here you go give me 40 more dollars that's incredible and that is inflation you really can't i mean that is the epitome of inflation for the government service garbage and water the government have the have the audacity to say oh no inflation in america is only about five six percent it's not it's all under control not a problem at all because what they're dreading is if they have to put up interest rates again, because that's going to hammer the hammer the bonds. That's going to undermine the banks, and it's and all those investors and pensioners that are holding so-called low-risk investments, i.e. bonds, they're going to see their capital fall even more. So the government really don't want to put interest rates up. But if inflation carries on, then they're going to have to to get inflation back under control. I think that might be a lot of that they... correlation you talked about with the S and P five hundred. We're just we're done. Yep. We're done. I don't I don't care how. Tesla performs or this big bank is performing. I care about my money and you're killing me. So let's run the gold and Bitcoin and, and precious metals and maybe even, you know, emerging tech. We're done James, caring James, about so, mortgages. So James, so this reminds me, and I, I can't remember if I apologize if I said it before, but reading a really interesting um, report from Citibank a couple of weeks ago, and they were saying how the tokenized economy, i.e. assets, are going to become in a digitized format. So you're going to have digital cars, you're going to have digital antiques, you're going to have digital jewelry, you're going to have digital bonds, you're going to have digital funds. And they were saying that affluent investors, you know, people have got a little bit of money, they have about 6% of their money in alternative investments. But ultra high net worth, and I can't remember off the top of my head what an ultra high net worth, you've probably got to have, you know, several, several, several millions, you know, 10, 20 million, they have 46% in alternative investments. So you are reading out there, you know, have some, you know, precious metals and, you know, maybe have a car or maybe have some art or maybe have a bit of cryptocurrency. They're the people, the people that have got money, they've already woken up and smelt the coffee. They've already actually said, look, I don't trust in the normal day-to-day -day stuff. I look at the PE on the S&P 500. I look at what the 
banks are doing with my cash. I want to put it into things which can't be manipulated as much. You know, as we've said before, if you look at the amount of debt that companies have, there's not one company in the S&P 500 that is debt free. They've all borrowed loads of money either to build the business, but many, many times to buy back shares because that improves improves the earnings per share, which means the executives, the people running the businesses get bonuses because they've reduced the number of shares. So the whole thing is, you know, predicated on huge volumes of debt. And some stage, you know, the piper tunes and you've got to pay that money back. And so that's why I think you see the very, very wealthy have a lot more in alternative investments. And that seems to kind of suck for the average man in the street that isn't allowed access to private equity funds, VC funds, and you know, venture capital funds, you know, fine art, you know, wine, cars, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, you've got so much money to get into these things normally. Very difficult for the man in the street. And that's funny. And that kind of segues into this report from a German research company called Roland Berger. And they were looking to why is tokenization relevant and important. And we did a focus on EU because that's where the report was done. But I promise you, this could have been done in any jurisdiction. And they, they had some big... Spanish and German and French banks, also some manufacturers like Daimler Trucks, Renault, the Spanish oil company, Rebsol. And basically they were saying that, you know, we're going to see more and more assets being tokenized, digitized in in different economies. And, you know, you're, you're seeing many, many different companies. You know, the EU commissioner, chap called McGuinness, and he was saying it can become the backbone for a digitized industry 0.4 across Europe's economy, merging supply chains, trade, finance, logistics into a single seamless process. Adopting a token economy in the financial market will lead to measurably more efficient and greater safety, resilience and trust. Oh, my goodness, that's a long quote. So basically what's saying much more efficiency. And on that, you know, one of the banks that has just been recently wound up is a bank called Signature Bank in America. And everyone said, oh, Signature Bank, it's a crypto bank. They earn all their money by dealing with this sort of funny stuff, crypto nonsense. And that's why, you know, they're not a good bank. We, you know, we, we, they, they're too risky. But where Signature Bank were making most of their money was nothing to do with crypto. Most of their money they were making in the supply chain and the shipping industry because they were enabling shippers and supply chain people to say, once your ship has docked, once the goods have been delivered, regardless of the time of day the day is, will settle 24-7. So we'll give immediate settlement of your monies to help your cash flow. And they were making more money by doing digital payments in the supply chain industry than they were by onboarding crypto. So they were making the thing much, much more efficient and helping companies. But unfortunately, they've now been shut down. But I, I just give that as a small example, because we're going to see a lot more digital cash payments and a lot more tokenization of cash and that's going to make it much, much more efficient and much, much more inclusive as a way of transferring money around, James. Which is why in the U.S., it goes back to, you always hear me say it, how the EU and the U.K., you guys are the ones that are setting all the precedents, right? And then we kind of follow. At this point, if you lived over here, you'd say, that's okay, James. Let's leave it that way. But so we have Fed now coming out in July. And a great example of, immediate settlement, right? Is that that's what Fed now is going to do, going to allow the banks to immediately settle transactions. And uh, the normal people here in the United States, no thanks to the, the degenerates and the 
crypto bros and everybody else. But the regular people think that Fed now is going to be the gateway to digital dollars, CBDCs for the government, right? And, and who knows? I'm not saying that either way. But we are adopting now that same immediate settlement that we should have been praising Signature Bank for. It's okay when the government does it, but it didn't work out for Signature Bank. That's weird. And as a New Yorker, I know Signature Bank. I remember Signature Bank. They're just a bank. Just a bank. They were a bank, but they made strides. But James, going back to the sort of US thing, you know, the biggest asset manager in the world is, is an outfit called BlackRock, who I know you, you know, fam- you're familiar with. The CEO of the biggest asset manager, Larry Fink, he, his his take on all this is the next generation for markets and next generation for securities will be the tokenization of securities. And we had a couple of weeks back, if you remember, we had Swarm. We had Swarm Markets who are regulated in Germany. And they were talking about how they have recently tokenized Apple shares, Tesla shares, a couple of ETFs that trade in U.S. Treasury bonds. So it's already happening. And we're beginning to see more and more examples of the tokenization. So using the technology of blockchain that was applied to cryptocurrencies and now using that same technology to create tokenization of equities, bonds, real estate, commodities, all sorts of sort of things like that. So. This is going to be a topic which I know we've spoken about before, but it's going to come back because it really is going to impact on many, many of the listeners as it becomes a stronger financial markets, I believe. They'll be more transparent and you'll have more trust in them as opposed to the current situation whereby you kind of you have to like it or lump it. You don't have any choice. So if you buy a mutual fund, you just have to accept the price is correct and the money is managed by the mutual fund manager and they give you the price. Well, that seems kind of mad. Why Why isn't there an independent market being quoted for the price of that mutual fund? So there's checks and balances. All that's coming down the road very, very soon. But, but certainly, really recommend this report from Ronan Berger, where they've interviewed all these clients for these different uh, banks and, and manufacturers, because they very much see tokenization is going to happen. And it's, 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 it's happening already. You know, European Investment Bank, they appointed BNP, HSBC, Royal Bank of Canada, and they issued the first ever digital sterling bond just recently. You've got N-Chain, your favorite man, Craig Wright. Hope you're listening, Craig. You know, they've just taken a stake in gate, gate to chain. And, you know, they're, they're doing all sorts of stuff there, whereby they're helping to make the process in the supply chain industry much, much more efficient. So I think we'll be hearing a lot more of that going forward over the next few months. I'd probably say... If you look into the future, five years from now, yeah, five, five years, it won't be associated with cryptocurrency. I think by then, the normal people will just say, I'm going to invest in my mutual fund over here. And they'll be calling customer support saying, I, I made a payment to my fund and it did not arrive in 15 seconds. Is something wrong? Right? It'll become normal. To As opposed to three days, which we have now. Exactly. Oh, well. Okay, so James, coming up after the break, we've actually got Luke, Luke Farpen, who co-founder of Tokeny, and delighted that they're coming on the show because they're, they're going to be talking about they've developed a protocol, a, a way of helping to tokenize assets. It's called ERC3643. Snappy little title. I must have, I prefer their old one, which is T-Rex, as in the old singer, you know, Ryder White Swan. I'm sure you remember him. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So, or Melagaru, another, another one of his classics. But T-Rex was token for regulated exchanges, but it's now been uh, changed by the Ethereum community to ERC343. But he's coming after the break to talk about some of the uh, experiences and things they've been doing with their protocol being used to tokenize real assets. Teamblockchain.net. Right in front of you, the minute it loads up, we don't care how you listen to this show. I'd love for you to listen on Cyber.fm, but let's be realistic. Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeart, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pandora, and you could always say, Alexa, open up Digital Bytes Podcast. We put that right there in the very front, and right next to it, if you have no idea what we're talking about every week, stick your email address in there and actually get the newsletter. Hey guys, James and Johnny, we're back over here, and we have Tokeny who wrote an article about the engine behind tokenized securities. And I think Johnny is going to introduce Sharong to us. She and another coworker, colleague, I should say, let's not be silly. They actually created an entire ERC series, right? 3643, Johnny? Yeah, it's a rather snappy title, isn't it? The engine behind tokenized securities. ERC, Ethereum, obviously, 3643. So... Sharon, well, welcome to welcome to the show. Delighted to have you on. I know we've had Luke in the past and we've had Daniel. So it's good to have you on the show. And um, yeah, it'd just be great to have a quick intro to you and, and how long you've been at Token. And then we'll, we'll get stuck into the article that you've kindly written. Thanks, James and Johnny, to have me here today. So my name is Sharon. I've been working for Tokeny for five years. So I actually joined a company as one of the tier of the team. So I was a month member, if I remember correctly, of Tokeny. So has been here around this industry for five years. People always say me as looking a bit young, as you could tell from my picture, and maybe from my voice as well. But I've been in this industry for five years. I had a background around computer science. So I used to be programmer, had before that I changed my side of work because I figured the coding things is not really something I'm passionate. I'm really into the interaction with people and around the business side of things. So I came to France to study. I'm originally from China. Then I came to France, I studied two years and I turned myself into a marketer. This is how my journey got started at Tokeny actually. So I'm really happy. Yeah. Journey has been, and yeah, this is myself. <laughs> I, I like that she wanted the. Uh, she made that decision that she needs the fun side of the business. <laughs> Absolutely, she, she's a yeah. communication and marketing lady, as opposed to uh, a geek like you, James. I'm just a number <laughs> cruncher. She could probably make my numbers magical. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested because to- token, as you say, been around a little while, and you've you're. Your tokenization solution has been used now to effectively tokenize, you know, 24, 25 billion worth of assets. So, but before we get into that, could you just explain a little bit about what tokeny do and then why, why do we need some sort of standardization? Why do, why do we need this ERC 3643 and how did it get a snappy title? Yeah, sure. So basically what Tokeny does is we provide enterprise-grade tokenization platform for companies who wanted to issue, uh, manage, and transfer their securities on blockchain. So actually, when we 
created the solution, we were looking around the market as back to 2017. That was actually the famous ICO boom, <laughs> if you remember. So at that time, we've seen the power of、uh, ERC20 tokens, where you can actually issue tokens, and then those tokens can freely be kind of stored and managed by the token holders. In a wallet and get it transferred to whoever they want in in peer to peer kind of、uh, manners. So we've seen that power, and we wanted to bring the same kind of efficiency to the tokenized the kind of securities products. But as we know that ERC twenty tokens, they're they're permissionless. That means that you can transfer to anybody that you want. But when it comes to securities, they are financial products. There are regulation that is attached or or kind of regulate them. So you have to be sure that those tokens can only be transferred to eligible investors. Let's put it simple. So that's why we look around. There is kind of no token standard. So smart contracts that can really provide this kind of compliance framework to allow security tokens securities to be represented on blockchain. While maintaining or enforce compliance at token smart contract level, so that was the reason why we created this ERC thirty six forty three. That was actually named T Rex. That was much easier to remember and to, to pronounce, right? <laughs> T Rex, that's so, the dinosaur or the rock music, right? Yeah, I will explain to you. So we actually make it shorter out of token for regulated exchanges. So we take a T from token for regular, so regulated. Exchanges were racks, right? <laughs> so that makes it really easy to remember. And then later on, we submitted to the Ethereum community and to get this EIP kind of, we just get the number of three six four three as the number of this kind of proposal. So to make it a fully open, open source and freely to be used by the community. That's why it come now become ERC thirty six forty three. So this is kind of already sorry how to tell the story of how it、uh, kind of worked. The reason that we need kind of standardization of this market is because when we kind of put this kind of compliance framework in place at the token level, at the smart contract level, that means there are some codes that tells each other what kind of compliance rules you need in these tokens. So in order to have all players. That can actually interact or communicate about what kind of compliance rules this token is carrying. You have to have every players to integrate to this kind of smart contract. So that's why there's a need of a standardization in order to have the whole capital market that will be built on upon blockchain to communicate in the future. Enable to have the, the kind of securities represented on blockchain can be traded in different platforms in the future in my wallet while enforcing compliance. So yeah, that was the reason why we need this、uh, standardization here. Okay, so so what you're saying is that by by creating this ERC three six three three six four three, it it's it's essentially a a set of guidance rules standards that. If people issue their token that way, then everyone understands if like the rules and regulations that govern and control that token. So it means that it doesn't matter which exchange it's listed on, people can be certain that the issuer has complied by certain guidance. So 
they're getting a similar sort of thing. So various elements of due diligence being done, or if there's payments to be made in terms of redemptions or dividends, that's all encapsulated within that that standard tokenized contract in effect. So I would say actually it's really more technical kind of point of view. It's it's when we call it a framework, it's because you can put any kind of rules into these tokens, right? But the the thing is more about say that journey now you have your your secured token exchanges where I am a issuer. I wanted to have my token listed on your platform. And then what do you have to rate at the token level is what kind of compliance rules this token need to be compliant with. So in this token, as a issuer, I wanted to set up, I can only allow European in- investors to, to invest or KYC, obviously KYC investors, as well as any other kind of compliance rules. So when I use this ERC3643, it's actually, it allows me to put all of the one, two, three, four kind of rules or continue rules into this smart contract. And then when I connect it to your platform, your platform can directly rate on what kind of compliance rules this token needs to be able to trade. So you are able to show display those tokens to those who are eligible on your platform directly. So without needing to talk to anyone in the middle. So that kind of facilitated the process of of the interaction between different platforms. Okay, so this makes it a lot simpler and automated for the different platforms and exchanges. Then that the that the that the ERC three six four three token can be used on because a lot of the onboarding and a lot of the transferring can be automated in effect. Exactly. So that will be all done at smart contract level. I wanted to clarify here that this standard is actually open source and free. So anybody, any kind of development team can take it over. What Token is doing here is actually provide a ready-to-use front end. You can you can think in that way. So it's like interfaces that you can directly interact without needing to know any kind of blockchain knowledge. We can make kind of blockchain disappear for actually massive adoption. This is needed in the future. But the standard itself, they're open source, saying that any kind of company who wanted to build a tokenization platform, they can directly use this standard and build on top of it to add different kind of complex rules they need into the smart contract and make it useful or API ready for their kind of clients to easily click click here to transfer token, to force token, to to pause token or even to recover tokens at really user-friendly kind of experience. So this is how, yeah, how we differentiate tokeny solution and the standard. Okay, I understand. And as I say, so far it's been used for over 28 billion worth of assets. Could you give us some indication of the sorts of assets that tokeny's contract has now been used for? Yeah, sure. So we have a lot of different kind of assets we tokenized that included funds, dApps, uh, bonds, and also real estate, commodities, any kind of assets, actually. We, we've seen a lot of attraction around real estate because it's one of the, I guess, the most tangible kind of assets. And the people wanted to make sense for people that when you're saying, okay, you tokenize the real estate building and then you're able, you're able to invest in this building by a few thousand euro or 
even 100 euro that you can become a co-owner of this building. That kind of really makes sense for kind of retail investors to easily understand what are they going to get. So we've seen a lot of traction around the real estate part and the funds, obviously, because it also automates the process, especially for the back office, where they can actually automate a lot of processes and have real-time kind of operation to speed up their process of of servicing. So those are the two kind of uh, asset classes we've seen uh, the most attractive. And what about the jurisdictions of the platforms or the exchanges? Where where is it? Obviously, because token is a European business. Has it been used in other jurisdictions outside of Europe on different platforms? Yeah. So we actually, our platform can be used in any kind of jurisdiction. So the the beauty of this smart contract is that you can actually uh, code by jurisdiction. You can say in that jurisdiction, if uh, the platform conducted the KYC ML or even onboarding process, you can directly say where the user is coming from. And the smart contract can directly to tell that, sorry, from this region, you cannot participate. So basically, this platform can be used worldwide. And we have clients not only in Europe, but also in Europe, sorry, also in Asia and also the US. So it's a really, I think this is a why a blockchain infrastructure really bring the kind of a global capital market together because there's no kind of border anymore in terms of service providing or servicing or products and, and for the investors as well. Okay. And in terms of looking at the future, where where what sort of entities do you see tokenization of real world assets being most useful for? Is it the banks? Is it the asset managers? Is it sort of wealth managers? Who do you think is going to benefit most from tokenization of these assets? So from my point of view, I think obviously I would say every kind of players would gain the benefits out of it. But I think for asset manager, that would be really particularly helpful because it, first of all, it automates a lot of process where they don't, they can actually free themselves from those kind of other canning, uh, sorry, this kind of uh, everyday day to day operation out of, uh, out of the code because the code will now be able to automate the process. So they can actually move their time to do some more kind of asset analysis where they can actually find more high quality assets to for their investors to make their their portfolio is more interesting and in the future when every kind of underlying assets is tokenized thinking about a fund they can actually have a portfolio of their fund directly there and allow their investor to kind of select it's kind of personalized level of products but without needing you to kind of handle it because code is going to handle it. So as, a, as an investor myself, I will be able to actually say, I only wanted to invest in ESG kind of products or portfolio. And then I can maybe just click on this button to have the label to say, only show me this kind of products. And then I only invest in those kind of assets only just one click and I will be able to invest as easy as I send a message today. So that will be really be able to to have more kind of investors for asset managers while also providing a better what digital and uh, personalized services for investors today that more and more demanding for this. Okay, so that's going to help 
from a sort of compliance point of view, because once exactly. the risk grading and the types of assets for a client, then they can sort of make sure that is met before the actual transaction, as opposed to very often people find they've gone into the wrong asset and or hasn't met the the right right risk profile, I suppose. Exactly. And then uh, maybe the most interesting part for any kind of uh, asset managers or asset owners are liquidity, right? When we talk about liquidity, obviously it's how quick that I can get my money out of my asset. So before it's just so hard for especially private asset owners that if I wanted to sell one of my assets, real estate or a share of the fund, and it takes a long time in the middle of the process to go through different kind of uh, manual process and different intermediaries. But now with this building compliance into the security itself, I will be able to find another eligible investor and to make the peer-to-peer transfer. So there's already a transferability in place where already increase this kind of liquidity because I will, if I can find the eligible investors to buy my share of my fund or my share of my real estate, I will be able to sell it, which is impossible today, right? Which is already possible with tokenization. So hopefully more and more that will be become a reality or common kind of practice in the industry. Got it. Got it. Well, James, what do you reckon? What, what do you, what springs to mind listening to Shrong and I ch- chatting away there? You know, I was thinking, because I'm reading the article over and over again, and that you, you also created like a front end for, mm-hmm. for access to, to the on-chain ID and the, the registry, right? So um, uh-huh. am, I, am I wrong or no? I'm sorry. Yeah, so, so the, the smart contract is open source, obviously, and it can kind of, uh, there are, it's actually permission tokens. So, so permission tokens, obviously, by its meaning, the name is you can actually control who can actually hold your tokens. Then in, all, in order to have the capability for the token to identify if this user can or can be eligible to those kind of eligibility rules, is then we realized that there was a need of identity system into this smart contract framework. This is why when you mentioned on chain ID, it's actually another kind of identity framework, actually. It's also open source and decentralized identity system that is also protect the privacy of the users. So this is only on the architecture of how the smart contract is designed. And our solution, when I talk about kind of like front end, is basically this, what do we provide is basically a platform website-based platform, you log in and uh, you don't need to actually make some code in order to trigger the function of the 3643, right? ERC3643. You will be able to click here. There's right an to main token. When you click main token, our front end, our platform is going to be able to make sure you trigger the right kind of function of the smart contract as well as having a really readable cap table for you to know always who is your owner at which time or whenever you want and conduct or even have a message message system in, in place in our platform to allow the issuers and investors to communicate between each other. So those are what we provide at Tokeny when it comes to front end, I if that you. makes so, sense. <laughs> yeah. Right. And remember, I'm just a radio guy. 
but <laughs> the, uh, no, and you're it, also a Ben guy, <laughs> right? Right. So from the user perspective, right. When I, I'm mm-hmm. going to use your front end, if I'm permissioned in there, the, uh, it doesn't matter what I try to do. All of that configuration is on your side, kind of like whitelisting based on the credentials and what mm-hmm. the regulation is. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So basically, let's think about me. I am the new investor here. And uh, you, you are the issuer. You issued one of the funds and you only allow people from European jurisdiction and KYC, let's say only those two kind of conditions in place. And maybe on the top of it, you only allowed, let's say, 10,000 investors in total to invest in your security can be your uh, investors. Okay, so there are three rules in place. And at Tokeny, uh, we actually just write the smart contract of ERC3643, put all of those three rules that your lawyer told us, and then we're going to be able to to actually also ask you who are going to be the credential issuers of all of those three conditions, all of two conditions, first of two. So first of all, first uh, kind of credential uh, issuers have to issue a proof to say you are European uh, residents, right? So the verifier one is here. And the verifier two, it has to do the KYC ML check. So it can be a KYC provider that you pointed to. And this issuer is going to, this identifier issuer is going to check the data of Shurong. I need to go through the onboarding process. But actually, when I'm doing that, the process, when I do the KYCML, it directly have the embedded kind of KYC provider into the onboarding process. And when I send my passport to this, the platform, the document actually go to the KYCML provider to check my document. And all of those documents are going to be safely saved off-chain with this KYC provider. So after the check and uh, they verify the Shuron is KYC checked. And what they do is they actually issue a credential that's saying it's a proof that Shuron is verified, KYC verified by KYC provider A, let's say. So in that case, in my on-chain ID, the, the digital identity, I am going to have this credential in place in my identity on blockchain. So nothing that is going to, not non-data is kind of credential data or private data is going to be published on the blockchain, only a proof. So it's uh, just a yes or no answer. So when I got those kind of two credentials, then the third step is actually also the smart contract is going to say if existing investor number is reaching the limitation that you set in place. So, okay, there is still a, lim- a place for one more or, or more investors. So when all of those rules are met, and then I am going to be able to finally invest in your, in your share of the fund in that way. I see it. You just explained it much better for me. With the graphic that was in the <laughs> in the article you wrote, so right the uh, the knowledge is off chain, maintained anonymously with the on chain mm-hmm. ID, exactly. that then gets forwarded to your magical system. Exactly. So in so that it's very way, traditional, but <laughs> DeFi yeah. almost at the same time. Yeah, exactly. So this this is why uh, with this smart contracting place, we're not in, we're not actually putting any single point of failure 
let's say, software level of uh, single point of failure risk here. Because if you have one more layer to actually do the reconciliation of wallet address and identity off chain, then there is always a risk that you lose the kind of a track of your registry because you still need one more layer to ensure to identify who are your investor in that time. And besides, wallet is, is not identity. Whoever know the private key of a wallet can claim that they are uh, the ho- owner of this wallet. So in that sense, we using this smart contract ensure that you are always able to identify the identity of that time's owner and uh, everything is stored on blockchain. So it's immutable registry. So in that way, we really provide this kind of auditability of the registry on chain. I got it. Finally, I got it. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Glad I that got helps. it. That means it's got to be perfect. <laughs> okay. Well, look, Sean, thank you very much for coming on today. And obviously, no if anyone would like to get a, a copy of your article, then probably the best bet is go to tokeny.com. Or I know you're on LinkedIn, Sharong yep. Lee. Um, or obviously, they can contact James at cyber.fm, myself, Johnny Fry at Team Blockchain. But thank you for coming on the show. And look forward to welcoming you or one of your colleagues back perhaps later on the year. And you can give us an update because I know you're working on a number of different things at the moment. So it'd be good to get an update in, in a few more months' time. Yeah, thank you for having me today. And maybe just one more spoiler that actually we're forming up the ERC3643 Association. We're going to announce it officially very soon with some very, very great players all together to make sure we push the tokenization adoption to its peak. <laughs> so more to come. Stay more tuned. To come. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. For, thank you for listening. And We'll be back um, with with another podcast to you, I'm sure, with Tokeny very soon. Thank you.